Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenant? Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Dr. Michael David Clay. I would like a life where I had no responsibility, no accountability. I would like a life where I didn't owe anyone anything. I would like a life where I didn't even have to think about things in such terms. I would like a life that isn't based upon some measure of, I do this for you, you do this for me. I would like a life where people loved one another unconditionally, absent all of those conditions. I would like a life where if I did something wrong, not only would I not necessarily have an awareness of it, but should such an awareness come, or even before the awareness came, I would already be forgiven. Now, I don't know if I would really want all of that or not. It's very difficult to imagine that. I could in an ideal sort of way, because what freedom? (laughs) No guilt, no bad feelings, nothing of that sort. But in my greatest attempt, attempts, efforts, at thinking of what that could be like, I can't imagine it being anything except imagining that it would be, according to the Word of God, what Paul means when in Romans chapter 8, he declares, There is, therefore, now no condemnation to them Who are in Christ Jesus? Uh, I know that is unconditional love. I know that is forgiveness. I know that is the gospel of Jesus Christ as unto us who by the point, the time, the point in time that Jesus came, uh, we'd had our fill, humans, of trying to do it the right way, to please, I would want to say, God, and restore what otherwise in our condemnation, uh, self-inflicted, devil-inflicted, we already knew we had fallen way short of the glory of God. Now, could we admit it? Did we still have enough conscience left in us to be aware of it? Uh, I've already attempted to present such that the Holy Spirit has been there all along. And that is conviction. We know. We knew. Humanity knew. By the time of Jesus' advent, we'd had our fill of trying To do it the right way and what was the right way out of an awareness and what brought that awareness to us. But God telling us through word, Old Testament, certainly for us now, 
of just where we went wrong. And maybe not so much just for the sake of criticism, but always to encourage us to be what he's called us all along to be, which is in Christ Jesus. We just still think they thought they were going to do it out of themselves. Somehow they were going to make it good enough. Make what? It? What? Themselves, the work that goes into it, the project, to follow the rules, to now in personification, understand with Jesus what it would be to be as God had all along called us to be and ordained us to be. But the problem with that is the minute you think that way, you also think of all the failings. The moment that you begin to understand you're not quite what God maybe has called you to be or with the help of the devil or someone else for that matter, pointing that out and think about that. Garden of Eden terms, that's really how it all started with Satan, the devil doing that with Eve, that very thing with Eve and pointing out how despite all of our best efforts, we're still going to (laughs) die. And certainly that must mean when God said, don't partake of the knowledge of good and evil or on the day that you do, then you will certainly die. It's a punishment. No, it is just an acknowledgement. Go there and you're going to die. Go there and you're going to live in condemnation as with punishment. Go there and all of those things that would then be conviction, even if it would be to some extent a bit of critical analysis for the sake of improvement and advancement, we can't escape the conundrum that the trap of trying to be what God has called us to be, even if out of the best of motives, will leave us feeling nothing but like a failure because we can't. (laughs) And should you then find it necessary to personify that or put that in some sort of element of personification, then you do have the devil and you have have all the demons, Satan, Lucifer, all the different iterations of evil that worketh within you. I I would love it if we could do that too. That we could somehow remove the personification, remove the evil spirit that is in us. But it is the law, as the Apostle Paul advocates in the book of Romans, that brings condemnation upon us. And it is only out of the grace and mercy that is Jesus Christ should we experience any sort of, in forgiveness terms, release from that. But even that is a trap because you would have to think of all the things you didn't do right so that you could then ask for the forgiveness so you then could then be released from the forgiveness. And in that, Christ would have to die again upon the cross And we would have to go through all of those things so that we might then experience redemption, forgiveness, only to start it all over again. And then it wouldn't be much different than the cycle of sin 
that the Old Testament presents. Because certainly there were moments when people would finally come to that awareness and that conviction and repent, receive forgiveness, but they couldn't stay in it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, though there all along, had not been given free reign to do what He, God, He, the Holy Spirit, He, Jesus Christ, has told us, shown us, demonstrated unto us, exampled unto us, and led the Apostle Paul to say in Romans 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. And I didn't finish the verse. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. With a capital S. Not all this right or wrong calculation, not all this knowledge of good and evil that God warned Adam and Eve not to partake of. But even when Adam, should he have looked at Eve, which he didn't, by the way, and said, no, we're not going to go down that path. God told us not to. The temptation was too great, and maybe not so much for Adam to partake of the fruit, because up to that point, he had been successful at not doing that. But when it came to losing Eve... The thing that was the gift of God that was to his material comfort, a long life's journey, he couldn't do that. And I believe in that then found himself prey to the temptation by proxy of Eve. Not that Eve was any worse or any better or that Adam was any better or Eve any worse. Just simply because he could not do it alone. But even then, would it not be that he did not realize he did not have to? That the Holy Spirit would have been there all along. And should he have understood forgiveness was not a one-time proposition, but in unconditional love God's perfect love, we can find the abundance of life that that represents because the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit being love, is never absent or taken, could be ever taken away from us. It would be us who would then believe somehow we have committed an unpardonable error, a mistake, a sin, that would then somehow disqualify us. It doesn't happen, except that we would believe it to have happened and then condemned ourselves. We are the source of the condemnation, not God. So when Paul declares that, he has come to the awareness that in Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are assured 
that not only does Jesus die once, but he dies eternally so that he might then be resurrected. And in his dying, he takes on the sins of the world, not once, but so that he might be resurrected or we might be resurrected by him taking on that sin, that sin nature. And he defeats the adversary as much the personification of all of that evil intent. That self-condemnation now, as I've tried to present it, once and for all, but only if we believe. And if we walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me, and I should say us, from the law of sin and death. That's how I began the podcast. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be awesome? If only it could be, I'm sorry to tell you, if only for the regret this might bring to you, but for the sake of awareness and therein the responsibility, should you have any accountability, it's to not believe the lie and not live in condemnation. Not God condemnation so much as self-condemnation, but you can't extricate, that's the word, God from it because he created it that way. But wouldn't you want God to tell you? And even if he had to begin to tell you by saying, look what you've done to yourself, that wouldn't be the sake of saying, I've done it to you. It would just be, wake up. Realize you've done this to yourself. Accept the gift. Let me do the work. Let the Holy Spirit do what I have given you in the Holy Spirit to be done. To bring you to Jesus Christ, but through Jesus Christ, not of yourself. It is my work to perform. It's the Holy Spirit, his work to perform. It's Jesus' work to perform as the Christ for the sake of redemption and resurrection proven. I'm not here to kill you. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to sentence you to hell. I'm not here to put you in a place that I created not for you. But should there be need for personification, let it not be you. Leave it to the devil. Leave it to all the evil that was therein in an epic Epoch, a time, a dispensation before you, you do not have to take on the inheritance. You do not have to go the same route. You do not have to get caught up in just that. The trickery that all of that represents. Yes, the Apostle Paul was still wrestling with demons. But they were in him. But I think he was beginning to catch a glimpse that all of those things are to be lost in Jesus Christ. All of those things of the devil and even the evil therein that would represent a war in his members. Could be swallowed up even as death is in the promise of eternal life which is... Something God never takes back. 
He never removes the promise. God never goes against his word. What happens is you reject it. As you would have then opportunity to accept Jesus. If you don't, you're still rejecting it. What would you expect? But to live a lie. Live a lie in a state of deception. Self-imposed. But very lethal to the end of carnality and mortality and hell. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me or us free from the law of sin and death. For the, what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, not God's problem, ours We kept seeing it as a constant reminder of our failing and we could not ever really get it right and we had to keep going back and asking for forgiveness again and again and again and I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not even saying that's not part of the gospel message. I'm just saying if you enter into the Holy Spirit and allow it to be God's work, (laughs) there is therefore now no condemnation. So do you have to keep asking for forgiveness? Maybe to satisfy the weakness of your flesh because to you it's incomprehensible that there is therefore now no condemnation. That God loves you unconditionally so much so that he sent his only begotten son that also all whosoever believeth in him should not, will not, shall not perish but have everlasting life. There's no condition but believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the promises of God, which has been there all along, which is the Holy Spirit, which is the fruit of the Spirit, which is God's love unto us, which is the forgiveness that we all seek and long for and the desire to please God. Again, you could argue, well, there's a lot of folk out there who have quit pleasing God. I would argue there's a lot of folk out there who have chosen that because it's easier than carrying around the responsibility that they're doing this to themselves. They prefer to blame God. No, it's you. If there is an amassing of condemnation that is built upon conviction or at least originates in conviction to your condemnation and may lead you to an unpardonable sin, it's on you. God does not do that, nor does he want that, nor does he will that. And as a matter of fact, he's given plenty of word, Old and then New Testament living word to spare you from that. And more so even sent his son Jesus to demonstrate the resurrection power that is forgiveness and redemption. But it doesn't have to be something that constantly separates you from God. You can walk in that rightfully so because Jesus has come to do that rightfully so so that you do not have to live in a constant shadow of death or condemnation. Just don't forget it all is in Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit. But if you can do that, then do that as quickly and efficiently and elegantly as possible. 
Remember that all you have to remember is that without Jesus Christ, you're going to hell. (laughs) But in Jesus Christ, the law is finished. And what is the royal law? Not the condemnation, but to point out, oh, I need Jesus to be what God wants me to be. But I don't have to compete with Jesus. I don't have to try to be perfect like Jesus. I just have to believe that Jesus is complete and is perfection and did then die for me so that I do not have to go through that, certainly alone, Adam did not have to worry about that. He just did not know better at that moment. And thought, I have to go with Eve because I know what it's like not to have her. And I was lonely in a material sort of context. No, the paraclete has been there all along, the helper. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh... God sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Not us. The condemnation was sin. Not us. What's the difference? We as spirit beings are part of God. Our soul, first and foremost, is of divine inspiration and nature. It is not of the natural nature. It is of divine spiritual virtue and character just as God is. That's why the Bible calls it the Holy Spirit, not a spirit of carnality and mortality or of human dimension that is bound to die. Humanity is our iniquity. It's the perspective. It's all of this that we're talking about today that leads you to, again, condemnation and hell and to reject the message of redemption that is Christ Jesus as well as the gift of salvation that brings once and for all to those who rightly receive and enter in rightly to Jesus, with Jesus, so that the Holy Spirit then can do all of the work. Think it not wrong that the Holy Spirit is going to do all of the work. God wants it to be the Holy Spirit that does all of the work so that the flesh is condemned, not you. But if you look at it that way, It's okay to let Jesus wash your feet. If you look at it that way, it's okay that Jesus should serve you in such capacity. But if you look at it that way, it's okay for you to wash others' feet. If you look at it that way, it's okay for you to serve others in the name of Jesus the Christ. Serve them unto, again, their redemption. Not that you would save them, but that you would help them understand it's the Holy Spirit that's doing all this work. You're just a vessel. But if you get in the way and you start to partake of the knowledge of good and evil and you start to try to parse it out and then you start to feel like you're worse or you're not as good or you're not good enough, evil cometh upon you. Anything that happens in the way of pain, struggle, trial and tribulation, 
You didn't bring it all on you. It is the evil therein, but the evil therein is your flesh. Christ did not come to condemn the flesh. He came to point out that it was sin that is eating of condemnation. But it is in your flesh, except that you would believe that you are not flesh first, that you are Holy Spirit first, you are God first, you are in Jesus Christ restored to your rightful inheritance. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And what is the righteousness of the law? That the flesh would then be what is offered up in sacrifice, including our humanity. Humanity, identity, personification of who you are in carnal terms is all of psychological construct, which is all of flesh. Now, does the King James call it psychology? No. We do. It's a term that we've come to much later on. But it is our mortality. It is the human dimension of the soul. It is the thing that in Adam and Eve, Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, that's where the devil went initially in them to the separation of them from God, separating of them from God, and therein rendering them in a state of inadequacy and failure. But God didn't want that. God didn't separate himself from them in spirit. God didn't, I'm confident, intend to separate them in physical dimensions from him. Adam and Eve had to go that way Because of, again, the righteousness of the law fulfilled. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. It had to be established. There is no good that's going to come from the knowledge of good and evil. Because even with that, all it's going to bring you is condemnation. Now that you know you're not good. As good as God. And that's why Jesus said there is none good but God. But should you understand then, that then prepares you as a human to say, Oh, wait a minute. It's really not about me. It's about the Holy Spirit. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about God. It's about the spirit of life. It's about the way that God has chosen to ordain the relationship, even while still in material. We did not start material. We were spirit beings to begin with. But now that we've begun this journey in carnality and the material world, we have to then allow that natural course now attached to mortality, carnality, to take its full sort of measure or take its full sort of journey or, again, course to the rightful end. Because if we want to remain one with God, it's only in Jesus the Christ and this gospel message. And if we want to spend eternity in heaven, not in hell, then we have to allow the Holy Spirit to complete his work of taking us through all of that, again, as the paraclete, as the helper. Jesus said, I will leave, must needs that I go, 
so that you can receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit so that he then can take you through all of this journey of, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, our carnal being, our material being, the threat, the shadow of death, being mortality, so that you might then make it through and escape without being trapped or caught up and then finding yourself entrapped, ensnared in condemnation. God didn't intend you to do that, intend any of us to do that. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, and what is the highest law of God? It's the royal law, as in love, perfect love, and not condemnation. And once again, God doesn't do it to us, and we shouldn't do it to one another. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So how does one find themselves amiss or absent the Spirit of God to the point of not dwelling in them? It is the unpardonable sin, but it would be the rejection of the Holy Spirit so that as the day of your decease were to be imminent, And right up to the moment of such, the Holy Spirit is still working on, to your behalf, working toward, again, the intention of preservation of that relationship with God in spirit, dimension, and term. And why I do, again, believe in deathbed salvation. But the moment that you pass on, it's over. It's done. That is the unpardonable sin. And I believe the Apostle Paul is just trying to say in that most clear of definitions, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ in you, if you don't have then the Spirit of Christ in you, you are grievous of the Holy Spirit. You are hardening your heart unto the point of unpardonable sin. And unpardonable would not be, again, God saying you're not forgivable, but you saying you're not to the extent that when that happens, all those aspects of your humanity that really do need pardoned and need that forgiveness so that you might walk in, there is therefore now no condemnation. That mind, being the mind of Christ, that Jesus has already done this, paid the price, Once and for all, you do not have to walk in it 
that condemnation that would take you to hell. But you have chosen that path, that destination over the true destination of God that God has for you, intention for you all along. You've allowed yourself to fall into a, such a state of apostasy that the ability for even the Holy Spirit to resurrect you is gone because you've chosen death over life. Now, as I say all of that, I hope that the simplicity of that doesn't become complexity to you. You're not going to easily wrap your head around that because it seems like it has to be so much the more. And all of those things that we've spoken of thus far on the podcast today would represent the more. But just let's this be simple. It's what I began with. Wouldn't it nice to have your innocence, the innocence of childhood, restored? And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Not your own, but of God's. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also give life to you or to your mortal bodies by a spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, but if you live after this flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. It's pretty simple. (laughs) If you choose death, that's what you get. But if you choose life, that's also what you get. But the only way you can make the choice to life is in believing that there is no death to those that are in Christ Jesus. And in the end, you will be one, not only with God restored through the Holy Spirit, but already before you get to the end of your mortality, your material life unto mortality, you will be one with Christ. And not only then is it the Holy Spirit that brings you through the journey of carnality and material existence and mortality and makes it possible for the human soul to find rightful passage back to the divine and eventually entry into heaven. But Jesus Christ will take on and shoulder the death of your humanity because you've already put it on him. Your humanity has already crucified the Christ. All you have to do is claim the return on that. Those that were before Christ carried actually more the burden of that than you need to. But even they have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ as the sacrificial lamb of God unto salvation for all humankind. It is a finished work in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, the love of God, overcomes all of that, and that is the simplicity. The Holy Spirit preserves you. 
provides then that hedge of protection to give you, again, safe passage. Verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also, or we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creation was made subject to vanity. We're having to compare. We think actually we could be out of our flesh Jesus Christ, out of your humanity, our humanity, we can become the Christ. That's the vanity. Not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, that is, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth... Why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. It's a done deal. The Holy Spirit's work is to assist us to not get lost in our humanity. And with that, our vanity. And with that, our thinking, trying to figure it all out. To think what's right and what's wrong. And then somehow in that think we could in flesh abide even by the royal, the terms of the royal law, which therein really would be to the condemnation of our humanity if it were not for the unconditional love of God in Christ Jesus, the source of our not only redemption, but our freedom from the bondage that that ensnares us. That the trap that is set by the devil brings us and ensnares us, brings us to a state of being again imprisoned. That is so sneaky of the devil. But it is so much so characteristic of the human brain and nature to even with God try to be better than God even with Jesus, to try to be better than Jesus, to come up with the answer ourselves. Oh, God, now that you've redeemed me, forgiven me, I can take over now and make it better. I can take care of myself now. Wouldn't you like that, God? Wouldn't that show you that I'm really worthy 
to be just as Jesus. No, all it does is set you up to prove just how unworthy you are because it's not sanctified because you can't possibly have the mind of God in the fullness thereof to know all the factors, to know all the things materially that go into that, more so even the real price that was paid by Jesus on the cross to the carrying of not our, only our burdens, carrying not only of our burdens, but to the full release and taking that to the grave and going himself, as the Apostle Paul would point out, to hell to set the captives free. Here to four, but should you still be lingering at the gates of hell, he will release you from even such. (sighs) The fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I see a fourth man. He's bringing us through. I see the love of God in Christ Jesus preserving us, keeping us from falling into such the state of apostasy that would then require that level of torment to burn so much so all aspects would hay and stubble to purify to the point of removal of all the dross. That whole way of thinking, you'll never accomplish that. You can look back and try to rationalize it It won't work even on your deathbed. The only thing that will save you is to know whatever you don't know, whatever you can't comprehend of why you can't be Jesus, why you cannot be God, why you are going to, in their mortality, always end up failing and need redemption in Jesus Christ. Just dispense with it and walk always In the unconditional love of God. So there is therefore now no condemnation to them who walk in, who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And should you need just a bit more persuasion, verse 26, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmity, which is our humanity which is our iniquity. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, would you go to, perchance, a counselor, specialized pastoral care services, Christian counseling ministry, who would then agree with you that you've made your whole life a mess? You've fouled it all up. Who would then also agree with me that you'll never really be able to come up with you and me, as would be the counselor, you will never come up with an answer sufficient to getting yourself out of the mess that you've created 
by partaking of the knowledge of good and evil. Who would agree with you that all that the royal law of Old Testament seemingly has done is to condemn you to point out these very obvious realities? And that in that, you might as well accept it. Go ahead and die to yourself. Would you want to go to someone like that? Would you, in going to someone like that, leave that situation believing that you've received any help along the way? Probably not, if that were the end of it. But anything that is not of word, living word, Holy Spirit anointed, led, guide, guided, directed, is going to end up there. I don't care who you go see. If the Holy Spirit, if Jesus Christ, if the gospel of Jesus Christ, the mind of God, the mind of Christ is not first and foremost obvious, presented unto you in this fashion, then you might want to turn tail and run. You might not want to go back. But if all of that leads you to the most glorious message, that it doesn't matter, not because it doesn't matter, but it only matters to the extent to make you aware that you need Jesus the Christ and in the gospel of Jesus Christ, turn your life over to the Holy Spirit so that God might finish the work that he began and so that you might not only know redemption and salvation, the fullness of God's forgiveness unto you, unto eternal life, but that you would not take others down as those that Otherwise, in rejecting that and still believing that somehow they could be just as good as Jesus. That somehow if they just did the law, the royal law, as it was presented in the Old Testament, they were going to find salvation. The royal law is, go ahead and admit that you can't. But that in the love of God, manifest Christ Jesus... The atonement for your sin has been made. The price has been paid. You are now set free. You are now innocent before God. Would you not go back to that counselor, pastor, to receive that Christian counseling? That is a ministry, but it's a ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors of Christ. That's what you're going to get when you come to covenants, specialized pastoral care, services, Christian counseling ministry. That's the message. Now, will we go and try to sort out how you might be able to make it a little different the next go around or as the Holy Spirit would have spoken to you or even as the royal law now, the Ten Commandments <laughs> could be brought to two great commandments. Logistically, we may have to continue to recalibrate your human nature to that of the divine in kind of directed, directive, guided sort of ways. Let that, though, be of the Holy Spirit, and we'll do that. It's not a complete waste of time, or we wouldn't do that. But if it doesn't end up in the Holy Spirit and then end up in Jesus Christ and then 
end up in the promises of God unto perfect love and abundant life that the royal law is to then love others even now that you've gotten that that you've been made aware of the error of the human paradigm and the iniquity that that reflects and the infirmity that is guaranteed to go along with that even unto your own self-condemnation self-destruction You can declare there is therefore now no condemnation and not take the rest of the world down with you. Because that's what keeps the evil alive there in you and contaminates the world. And then the evil that otherwise is there in them just needs a little bit of agreement. It's counterfeit. Two or more are gathered together in my name, Jesus says. Whatever they bind on earth, bound in heaven, loosed on earth, loosed in heaven. But the counterfeit is, it will be the same with the devil. It's like the Tower of Babel. Don't take people down. Allow Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and the work of redemption and salvation that is Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to save you. And don't be surprised. It will do that very thing. If you will allow him. Which is a choice. God. Him. Jesus. Christ. Him. Holy Spirit. Him. To perform it. It takes all the pressure off of you. It takes all the burden off of you. It takes all of that undue. Unrighteous takes the righteousness of God and brings it to full redemption. But that unrighteous element of self-condemnation, it removes it. And if you do that in Jesus, nobody else should be able to come along and hang that on you. Certainly don't go see someone who's going to point a finger at you and say, you know, you just need to try harder and do better. Keep trying. I'm hoping you do better. But it's not going to be the you it's going to be, except that it would be you allowing. The Word of God, the living Word of God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, to perform that work and know how all that rightly fits together. That's what we try to do in the podcast. (laughs) We try to share that in such a way that it would inspire you and encourage you to read your Bible more, to fellowship with believers more, to love more, to talk more with God in Jesus Christ, to allow the Holy Spirit to help you to receive more of the forgiveness. And it's not a dream. It's not, wouldn't it be nice? It's not unimaginable. It's very literal. It's very actual. Jesus proved it. Should you want to reach out to us, You can contact us at covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com. You can find us online at covenantsonline.com. You can email, or not email us, but you can with that call us at 304-528-9220. Catch us on Facebook and on YouTube at Covenants. And you can come back for the next podcast, the next edition of What is Covenant? Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Dr. Michael David Clay. 
And until we get that moment, that chance, to meet again, I want to wish you the richness of God's love and blessings unto you that are unto salvation in Jesus Christ. Thanks.